This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Talking Dirty. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, looking brilliant and bedazzling in blue, we have Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist, though you were so coordinated before you took your glasses off. Well, it was here we such are. such a good outfit. I'll put them on again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that our guest today has a particular penchant for blue glasses, you see. Um, and mine are in no way are they expensive glasses, but they are a similar sort of shade to his. But hey, we're not there yet. Down in Cambridgeshire is Thordis Maria Sophia Fredrickson, looking fantastic in apricot. Yeah, we're going orange as usual. Half my wardrobe is some shade of peach, apricot or orange. Well, your pe peach, apricot and orange lips match your jumper. <laughs> and my hair. <laughs> and your hair, yeah. Now, Alan is spot on. Our guest is someone known as much for his coordination and his snazzy glasses and hats as for his plants. Welcome back to Talking Dirty, Dan Cooper, a.k.a. The Frustrated Gardener. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I think being invited back a second time is probably the most flattering thing that's uh, happened to me this year. So thank you. <laughs> well, and your glasses are green today. <laughs> They're green, yes. To match the foliage. I can the, see, um, yeah. Whatever yeah. they are, tangerines. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, for those watching the video version, you are obviously in your garden room, but for anyone listening, just tell us a bit about what's surrounding you, because you do look like you're talking to us from the jungle. It's amazing. Yes. Well, this is a happy accident, this room, because um, it used to be the kitchen of a little cottage that sort of joined on to my uh, main house. And uh, never quite got this room finished. So it just became a home for plants, basically, like any space in my um, house does if it gets left for too long. So it's a little south-facing bit that sticks off the side of the house, and it's not really finished. The walls, are, if you can't really see the walls, because they've been eclipsed by foliage, but the walls are, are still just render. But what's happened is it's it's sort of gradually filled up with plants, as I say. And what grows really well in here is anything that likes sort of semi-shade, but it to be quite warm. So begonias, streptocarpus, impatiens, got a few gingers in here, a few petranthus, some alocasias that do think they're a little bit too much at home and I'm quite concerned about how big the leaves are going to get. I don't know if you can, there's a bit of fun oh, yeah. there. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gradually getting inched out because th th there was a clear path for me to get from the library to my desk um, a few weeks ago. Now I have to like lift leaves up. It's like trying to battle to get here. So, um, yeah, it's nice. It's mainly foliage, very few flowers in here. Um, I kind of prop things up on ladders and there's a coat stand right at the back there as well with plants on it. And I just let them get on with it. And the, the lovely thing is that they seem to have 
made themselves into a little tapestry of foliage, which I really quite like. So I just leave them. I don't interfere with them too much. And in the winter, they get a little bit of a tidy up. But for the rest of the year, I, I let them sort of get on and merge. <laughs> we like merging. We like our plants to cuddle, I think it was, we said a couple of episodes ago. Like them to hold hands. Um, I'm now having not, not only FOMO, but also furniture FOMO, because a coat stand, what a brilliant idea. I just thought that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, I mean... Furniture doesn't get made like it used to anymore, but it's one of these, it must have been from the 30s or the 40s or something when, you know, people made things properly at a proper sort of scale. So it's a really, really tall coat stand that you could, you know, hang a decent floor length coat off. Um, and it's got a lovely tray in the bottom, which is genius as well, because that was, I presume, for umbrellas to drip yep. into. Um, which is also very useful for standing a plant in. But yeah, it, it's great. And it's got hooks on it that you can hang things from. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a jumbo plant stand, I guess. I need this in my life. I know exactly where I would put it as well. So this is now my new mission to try and find a coat stand like that. How glorious. Uh, maybe Alan will as well. Though your house isn't quite as... Well, your, your orangery is full of house plants, Alan, but your house isn't necessarily quite like the jungle room at Dan's. Not at all, no. I don't have enough time to fill my house with um, plants like Dan does because, I mean, you know, I've got uh, a bit of a big garden out there. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a bit of looking after it. I mean, the, you know, so I'm in, out, uh, out first thing and in as late as possible. So I don't have that much time. But I do have a few plants in the orangery, but they tend to be the kind of things that you ship in and out. I mean, currently we've got Gloriosa Rothschildiana in there, which is that, uh, <laughs> <ew>. <laughs> which is that uh, lily-like um, thing that grows in the African, well, it grows amongst elephant grass actually in, in Africa. And um, I've got, I've now got uh, four different kinds in there, but they're not quite as different as they are shown in the catalog, shall we say. <laughs> Um, but nevertheless, they're fascinating plants and I do like them. And I keep, I mean, my my plain old, uh, the first one I had, the ordinary Rothschildiana, I've had for about seven or eight years and it's gradually the tubers are getting larger and larger. And, you know, you just dry them off in the winter and I turn the pot on its side in the greenhouse and just let it keep dry. Um, and it's a wonderful thing. By the way, if anybody grows, um, I, I just want to remind people of something because if they grow... What's that climbing nasturtium that looks like little birds called? Bicolor. Yes. Ooh. Well done. If you grow that, you need to be potting the tubers now. That's really note to self because I haven't done mine yet and I need to get on and do it. But you do need to do it so that they can start into growth. When they start into growth, actually, the growths are very, very thin. They're like little pieces of wire. And you think, this is not it. You know, this is wrong. But as they gradually get a little bit longer and longer and they start to twine around things and curl up they actually well i mean they just produce these crowds clouds and clouds of clouds of flower from about late january until i suppose april it's a lovely thing to have not quite hard enough for our country to have out uh, in our country to have outside but might it be worth a try in a sheltered spot i think if you've got enough tubers if you if you worked up stock why not try it Yes, I I, um, I keep mine in a pot, the same as you. It looks like that um, parasitic plant, Dodder, doesn't it? Yes, it's it like does. Little, yes. Little 
strange little little uh, threads that come yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and yes, you do. And if you if you miss it and keep it out of the light for too long, they get a bit extended. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I, it, it's it's very very lovely. I always think they look a little bit like tropical fish, but I guess yeah. You know, it's in the eye with the holder, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and Otis, I think we've got a shared craving for pentaphylum, haven't we? Oh, yeah. And I I was so ecstatic when I saw one. I was at Alan's uh, spring plant fair and saw, I was talking to one of the nursery holders and I saw a plant over their shoulder. And I thought, hang on a minute. I know what that is. And I bought it, brought it home. Everything was going very well. Went on holiday and the marauding mollusks ate almost all of it and what was left died. Oh, but what about yeah. the underground tubers though? Because they should still be okay. Well, I hope, I'm, I'm hopeful, but at the moment it's, um, it's, it's, it's looking very awful and I've never had it before. So I'm kind of, Oh, I wouldn't worry. I'm absolutely horrible to mine. It's gone. <laughs> it was in a pot in the greenhouse, and then it did what things sometimes do, and it rooted into the ground. And then it sort of just escaped from the pot and just became completely wild in the greenhouse. And so every so often, I sort of digging or rooting around in there, and up comes one of its uh, little tubers. But I reckon, and I. And I sometimes have to sort of rip clods of it down because it, it takes over but um I reckon you'll be all right if you've got some if you've got some tubers left underground I think yeah. it's pretty uh resilient the, the one that I've always wanted is um which I was just you know I was sort of weeping because I went around the um botanic gardens in Edinburgh a few weeks ago and um, of course, the beautiful, um, I think it's speciosum, isn't it? Yes, the red yeah. one. Yeah. Like dripping off everything. Um, and it, it just loves Scotland. I didn't realise it's called something like Scottish flame creeper or something like that. But um, it, it's too dry here for it, unfortunately, and it's probably a bit too warm. But can you grow it, Alan? I have grown it, but it's a, it's a trial to grow. I haven't got it anymore. It didn't like me. It doesn't like the dryness of East Anglia. And you're right, it doesn't like the heat. It's one of those things, a bit like the blue Himalayan poppy. It likes cooth, C-O-O-L-T-H, which I think is a lovely word. But you try and say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a lovely thing, particularly if you've got all these sort of... Um, of course, all around the Botanic Gardens are these lovely villas, and they're all sort of crammed with rhododendrons and camellias and of course when they're over it's a really nice thing to have sort of draping artfully over your sort of dreary looking shrubs later in the year but um yeah another one for the list i know a couple of places in norfolk that can grow it in actual fact one was um uh, they grew it in their garden through a yew hedge but the most surprising place i ever saw it was in a, an old house in Aylsham that was up for sale and graham and i went to look at it and it had at the back a damp, dank, shady courtyard. I mean, it was just, it was so, it was almost creepy. It was so sort of cool and mossy and frozen in time and all the rest of it. And there, peeping out over the top of the wall was this Tropiolum speciosum. And I mean, you know, big draping sheets of it. it looked lovely. Now, I mean, that was some unexpected tropiolum appreciation, and I do love unexpected or indeed expected tropiolum appreciation, which is quite hard to say. Well, you know, you know that you know that Dan is a great man for um, 
posting daily shots yeah um and on instagram and things and i just i'd like to open the the, the dahlia thing if i can please with a little bit of a success story for me and it's a success because it is not um about big flamboyant dahlias this is quite a modest flower it's dark sort of mauve almost purple single uh, yellow centered flower and it's on my tree dahlia and it's I, i've never had a tree dahlia open so early um it opened at the beginning of this month um which i think is absolutely terrific and i'm just praying now that we don't get any uh, southerly or southwesterly winds because it's on the front of my house and I've, I've tied it in as much as i can without ruining other things but you know these the the but i suppose the tallest cane is probably 10 feet tall um which is one hell of a height and if the wind gets on that it won't be good um but i'm, I'm quite thrilled about it really because the first time it's ever flowered this early that's extraordinary i mean yeah. often you have to wait until the bitter ends and you're yeah. you're sort of dicing with whether it's going to make it before the yes. frost gets it but that's that's fabulous well, I tell you what, Dan, I, a little story. We had one in the kitchen courtyard and I could see it outside in, through the kitchen window. And this was on January the 6th. And the flower actually opened on January the 6th in the morning. By lunchtime, it had been blown off. <laughs> but it flowered. That's the it flowered, yeah. <laughs> and so begins the daily chapter of this week's edition of Talking Dirty. Um, anybody who follows Dan, and if you don't, go follow him immediately. Anyone who follows him knows that at this time of year, it is so much about the dailies. I mean, you, you're not a one-trick pony by any means, Dan. I don't want it to sound like that. And obviously last time you were on, you were talking all about tulips, but um, you are pretty darn good with dahlias and you pick some extraordinary varieties. Well, that's very kind of you. I don't, I'm not particularly expert when it comes to dahlias. It's it, um, me and my um, my chap, we, we met via dahlias because um, I went to visit the National Dahlia Collection and, and we started sort of chatting over Instagram because of my visit, which was very close to where he lived at the time. And I think I probably had a mild interest in dahlias at that, at that time. I mean, you know, I like anything that's a bit sort of flamboyant and showy offy. So, um, you know, strangely not, you know, obviously drawn to um, to dahlias. And the National Dahlia Collection in its old um, location was quite something to behold in sort of late September, early October down, down in Cornwall. Just fields and fields of, um, you know, dahlias that you've never seen before and, and quite a good way of, I guess, making comparisons. And I think, and that sort of set me off really. So that's probably uh, four years ago or, or so now. Um, and then uh, we acquired our allotment last year because I was struggling really in our garden. It, they don't get enough space really. Um, and they, much as I would like to advocate growing dahlias in pots, which you can do if the pot is big and um, I think doesn't get too hot, they are far better growing in the ground. And actually, I have specifically um, tried to pick, it'd be interesting to see what Alan thinks as a very accomplished plantsman, but I've tried to um, pick dahlias out from our collection of dahlias that are good for the garden and good for borders rather than the silly dahlias that are just really designed for 
you know, sort of growing in isolation or for showing because, you know, we've got some stupidly sized ones. I think the one particular called Islander, which at the moment has got flowers the size of a football, which are very amazing to, to, to look at, but probably quite hard to place in the garden, I, sh I should think, unless you've got a, a very extravagant scheme. So yeah, so I've tried to pick ones that I think would would work really well in borders and also um, ones that are good for pollinators because I think sometimes dahlias get a bit of a bad rap um, for mostly being double and therefore quite impenetrable to pollinators, although not entirely because a lot of the uh, double dahlias, if they open fully, will reveal their, their centres. But um, they are... When, when you get a single dahlia that, that flowers well, the bees absolutely adore them. And they, they are very plentiful when it comes to pollen as well, which, um, which I have found to my cost when I cut them and bring them indoors and end up with everything covered in, in golden pollen. But um, yeah, so th those are the ones I've, I've chosen. This is, the, this is the selection. This is the same as with the tulips, isn't it? But I've learned my lesson because my, my lap, if you can see it, is covered in a towel. <laughs> Last time I got so soaking wet. You did end up sort of tipping half the contents of the water onto yourself. So the towel is yes, a very good so idea. Not this this time. <laughs> Take it away, I suppose. The daily show and tell. Whichever one you want to talk about first, throw it at us. I'm just going to sort of hold on tight. I think I'm in for a yeah. roller coaster yeah. ride. <laughs> You may have to stop me because I might, you know, if it gets tedious, you might, might have to stop me. So um, the first one is an absolute classic. So this is Karma Choc, which I think probably lots of people grow. It has a particularly sort of luscious, dark flower and they, the, the petals tend to fade a little bit um, at the edges, which is nice. Um, and the other good feature of this is the dark foliage. So. That is a really great border dahlia and flowers very, very prolifically. Ours is absolutely smothered at the moment. One thing I will just mention, I'd be very interested to see what Alan thinks of this before I go on to the next thing, is um, we have, this year, we've got a combination of dahlias that we've grown from tubers, cuttings, and from plants that we've bought that are about sort of 20, 30 centimetres tall. And almost without exception, the best performing plants and the earliest flowering plants are those that were grown from cuttings that were about this big. And the difference is quite extraordinary with some of them. Some of the ones that we grew from tubers, very healthy tubers and quite large, um, are lagging a, a lot um, and, are, and are not nowhere near as floriferous as the ones from cuttings. But I don't know, what do you think about that, Alan. Dare I say, I think the vigour is in the youth. So the yeah. youngsters, the cuttings, I mean, it's a, it's a, lots of plants behave like this. If you grow gazanias and you can grow them from year to year, the young cuttings, the young plants from cuttings flew much more, they're much more floriferous than the, than the old lags left in the ground, if you like. And I think the same thing goes with dahlias too. I found that sometimes if you dig a dahlia tuber up, it's terribly congested. And I think at the expense of having, shall we say, one or three good flowering stems, you end up with a lot of sort of silly little bits and pieces and it doesn't know what it's doing. It's sort of, well, I've got to feed this one, feed that one, all the rest of it. Quite often when I'm buying dahlia tubers, I actually turn them upside down 
and pull the tubers apart when have a very sharp knife and slice between the tubers into the crown of the plant, trying to make sure that I've got a little red bud, you know, that, which is a shoot coming off it. Um, and, you know, pe people actually say, if you, if you don't get a day, if, if your daily tuber doesn't have a little bud at the top of it, it's no good. Well, I make a mess of my dahlias and I, <laughs> you know, when I'm chopping them up, bits fall off and all the rest of it, and I put them all in a seed tray um, and cover them with compost and I still get plants. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying you get one every time, but you do. But I think, I think what you're saying is very true about the, the it's the youth of the plant that, that is, makes for a much more vigorous plant. Although in time, some species, some species dahlias, I'm not sure about hybrid dahlias, but species dahlias can get more vigorous with the, the, as the bigger the tuber gets under the ground. And I'm thinking particularly of my tree dahlia that I just mentioned, and also another dahlia called Dahlia cassinia, which is a single flowered, bright, bright red or bright orange um, in color. I've got two forms of it. They both came from Avon bulbs. And one is a very, very bright scarlet. It's, a, it's a, like a huntsman's scarlet tunic, you know, that kind of red. Um, and it has very fine foliage too, which is rather nice because it takes away the grossness of the, of the plant. And that over time will make a plant five feet, six feet tall and four feet across. And it, it is very floriferous. Oh. Yes, it's a lovely one. Can I just recap something that you touched on earlier when you went to the National Dahlia Collection? The National Dahlia Collection will send out tubers, but they also send out rooted cuttings. And that's how I got one of my favourite dahlias, which is Chimborazo. Do you know that one? Yes, we've got that one. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chimborazo is a colorette dahlia and it, it's a very dark red. It's about the colour of the red on your outside of your karma chop there. And it's got these, these golden filaments in the middle and, and it's just a, a snazzy looking dahlia. I raise seed from that every year just for the hell of it, really. And I probably keep 10 to 20 plants and get them to flower. And if, you know, to see what they are and if they're any good. I've got some quite interesting ones. They're all single. And one is a smaller flowered collarette, which may prove to be interesting. I don't know yet. I mean, it may not be floriferous enough or it just might not be good, a good doer, as they say. We've got to trial it and see. Yeah, always worth a go, isn't it? I've I've yeah. got sent some seeds this year um, from a friend in Ireland, and they're all singles, but some of them are absolutely cracking that are just starting to come out. I mean, they're not going to they're not going to end up being named varieties, but they're really really pretty. Yeah. And um, and I was sort of going to come on to that with the singles, really, because the, the singles are and um, collarettes are a lot easier to blend in, I think, with other plants in the garden. Than they are, yeah. The, um, some of the big flowered ones. So back to friends for Karma Choc. Uh, this one, this beauty is called Tour du Monde. And I am um, growing these next to one another. Um, and I rather like it. I don't know whether you think it's it's just too much, but um, they, they sort of bounce off each other quite nicely. I have got I have got an intermediary coming up. Um, Tour du Monde, uh, if people who don't like dahlias because they're just a bit too formal um, will like this one because it's kind of it's a little bit more casual sort of flower. And I think what's especially nice is the buds almost look like little flowers in their own right, almost like a little aconite or something uh, about to come out. I, I quite like that. Um, there are a few varieties that, that have buds like that, but you'll find this one is a very good friend for that. And then 
to go in between, if I can get it out from amongst all the others, um, I thought that brown sugar was quite a good linking theme there. So brown sugar has got that, um, in, fact, in fact, very similar. There's a tulip called brown sugar as well. And, and, and this has got quite a lot of um, things in common with it, really, in that it's that sort of uh, slightly burnt orange uh, with, with much darker um inside and i think those three look look quite nice together i don't know what you what you think oh. but my colors so i'm going to say <laughs> a lot aren't i oh they're my colors too i think they're divine brown sugar is probably my favorite dahlia that i grow i absolutely love it um and i'm delighted to see it in your selection though karma chalk is a little bit traumatic for me because i've tried to grow it two years the first year three years the first year the tumor didn't grow the second year they sent me the wrong thing and i got something completely different and the third year it got completely eaten by slugs <laughs> well if you want a black a black dahlia that doesn't get eaten by slugs and snails and i've had a bit of a chat with a few people on instagram about this i've grown blackjack this year which is a black cactus it is a handsome beast of a plant and Every dahlia around it has been munched to some extent and they have not touched it. So I don't know whether it's just unappetizing or whether in the context of the other delicious dahlias around it, it was the least appetizing. But um, worth a go if you want a black dahlia that might be a little bit more resistant to the attentions of snails and slugs. I, I don't know, it's definitely not a scientific thing. <laughs> <laughs> well I'll try it for sure and Alan I mean those that combination I I rather stormed in there because I got overexcited but they very much strike me as your colour colours as well Alan I love it yeah I love it and brown sugar is um definitely um it's a new one to me this year actually we've got it in the garden here because I was talking to Jimmy Blake and Jimmy Blake said you can't get dahlia um, brown sugar can you and I looked on my list and I thought well why have I never got this so I got it this year and another one that I like, which has that dark eye, is something called wine-eyed Jill. Um, I don't know whether you know that one, but I mean, I think wine-eyed Jill, the way we grow it, it would look better in a cutting border than it does in the garden itself. Because all the stems are particularly long, which is wonderful for cutting, but not necessarily for display in the garden. Um, but it's just, a, just an observation. <laughs> It's paler. It's paler in colour than, than brown sugar. Um, I would say it's more creamy orange, um, but with and with a sort of, a, well, a wine, a red wine coloured eye. Um, whoever wine-eyed Jill was, I bet she was a good time girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one to go down the pub with, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean, the amount of dahlias available is just, it's just staggering, isn't it? And I think... Yeah. Um, it really depends what you want to use them for as well, because I think we grow a lot of dahlias just because we are interested in them, They're interested to see how they perform and um, what what works well with them. But we have started to think now about what, what flowers might we want to cut for indoors. And that completely then changes the kind of dahlias you want to grow. As Alan says, there's certain ones um, which are magnificent for cutting. We've got one called Jasudi Andromeda, which is a, just the most exquisite little thing. It's a very small blush lilac colored cactus dahlia and the stems are so long 
so they're fantastic if you want to cut them and you've got a lovely big sort of deep vase but as alan said you know they kind they kind of waft around very high over the top of the foliage which might might work in some places um but again not not perhaps in the border and the other one that we have which is brilliant for cutting is is glory van heemsteed which is an ancient i think it's from 1947 that one actually a sort of old dutch dahlia which is a, a sort of acid yellow water lily type and an absolutely classic cottage garden plant and that again produces fabulous stems so you can bring home armfuls of those I know a lot of people don't like yellow, but I, I love yellow in, in all its different um, forms, so it, it works for me. Do you know the dahlia called Holy Hill, Holy Hill Spider? Yes, yeah, Spider Woman or just Spider. Oh, well, I think it's, I thought it was Spider Woman, but I've just looked it up and it says Spider. Oh, I think it's Holly Hill Spider Woman, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so, well, I've written woman down here, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were right, Alan. It's whatever you're looking at as well. <laughs> yes, we've got that. It's not flowered. It flowered last year. It's not flowered again yet this year. It's a, it's a sort of very messy cactus, isn't it? It's but a very messy cactus, but with character, I think. But if you want to pick it, you've got to pick, you know, lots of the emerging buds because this, the flowers are on such short stems. Yeah. But it's an interesting one. It, I mean, you're absolutely right. It looks a damn mess, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> But it's interesting to, from the point of view that, um, you know, if you don't know it, I think it arouses your curiosity. It looks a bit like a sea anemone with the tentacles going everywhere. I'm going to, now we're talking about sea creatures, I'm going to have to do a diversion, Alan, which... Go on then, go on you. So, um, you know, so I tried not, I tried not to pick the, the really crazy ones, but some dahlias do just have everything going on. Um, and Myrtle <laughs> Solly is one of them. And, and this is quite a small bloom because that didn't happen because they can get very, very large. I guess that is, what's that, about seven or eight inches across. Yeah. But um, absolutely uh, splendid dahlia, if you like, um, something a, a little bit different and a little bit, I don't know whether this looks like a sea creature or um, a sort of exploding sun or something <laughs> like that, but as you can see, so this is um, what's known as a fimbriated uh, dahlia, which means that it's fimbriated is just uh, sort of Latin or whatever for uh, fringed, so it just means that the, the petals are, are, are slightly broken at, at the ends. But um, as you can see, she's sort of got one colour at the back and another colour at the front, and then where the petals all twist and turn, like they're sort of going off in a big explosion, you get little glimpses of, of each of the colours. But that, that is one just to be admired on its own. We've actually been putting these in a single bud vase and putting them on the mantelpiece just on their own because they're so fabulous to look at. Is, is that your cup of tea, anybody? I love it. Yes, I love it because I think, I think it's so gloriously over the top. We have another one in the, in the garden here, which I think is, uh, well, it's, it's a strange coloration. I haven't got it in flower at the moment, but I always think it should be, the name should be said with an Australian accent because it's called Lady Darlene. Oh, she's back. I think she featured last time. She's on my list for next year now. Oh, right. <laughs> what was it? Wasn't it Lady Darlene and her drink of choice would be a banana daiquiri? Yes, That's it was. Right. <laughs> Go back and watch Dan's tulips uh, edition. It was very funny. 
there must be a, there must be a, a dahlia called banana daiquiri as well. I can't believe no one's used that name yet because people seem to be getting quite desperate for dahlia names, <laughs> um, judging by some of them. Um, and here's here's another one now, uh, another sea urchin one. Um, she's got a bit squashed and she's looking a bit more yellow than she actually is. She's sort of more apricot actually. I think it's because I picked her yesterday and she's opened a little bit. Um, without full sunlight. But this is Normandy frills. And I have to say that all these Fimbriated dahlias are my favorite. So we've got Normandy frills and we've got Normandy wedding day, which is incredibly pretty. So it's sort of white with a, a lilac-y center to it. Um, but I think a lot of the, the dahlias with Normandy in their name are this kind of style of dahlia. But um, you prompted me to take my two silly dahlias out um, early. <laughs> <laughs> Were they supposed to be your grand finale? Just because of the um, just because of the general silliness and sea urchinness of their flowers, but um, but in all seriousness, they are not they are not too bad for the border. These ones they're just obviously a lot more difficult to place than some of the um, plainer ones. They're glorious. Um, I'm going in all the wrong order here, but <laughs> my favourite dahlia this year is this one. So this is called Christopher Taylor. And whatever you do with this dahlia in, in terms of trying to show other people on a screen, it, it doesn't work. And somebody explained to me on Instagram very scientifically why it is that the colour of this cannot uh, translate very well on a camera. And it, it, it's because of the, the sat general saturation of it. But um, it is, believe me if you can't see it, the most incredible glowing cerise pink with sort of neon undertones to it. And, and it's one of those sort of bits of natural design that um, you couldn't make up really. You have to kind of see it outside in the garden with the sun on it to believe that a flower can be you know, coloured like that, because it, it, it seems to be illuminated from inside somehow. This this bloom is, is a little bit overblown. Um, and I think part of what gives it its sort of luminescence, if that is the word, is that it has um, quite a silvery sheen to the back of the petals, which, which comes around to the front a tiny little bit. But it is it is the most extraordinary dahlia, and it, I, I'm so chuffed that we actually found it this year. Um, the other thing which is very nice is that the, all the stems are a very dark sort of aubergine colour which which really sets it off the foliage and I'm afraid uh, you know Alan mentioned one dahlia that has sort of attractive foliage but most dahlias have the same foliage whatever's going on up above but the purple stems make a nice difference and the buds are a nice purple as well. I was going to ask what Alan thought, if he's, if he's tried this one. No, I haven't, but I'm very intrigued to try it. And I think, I mean, what do you call that? A water lily style of bloom? Yeah, 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 exactly. But I'm intrigued by the luminescence of the, the paleness of the silvery sheen at the back of those petals. And I immediately just thought that's one to take seed of just to see what the heck you get. I mean, they might be horrible and all the rest of it. You never know. I mean, how was this born? How was Christopher Taylor born? He was born from a seed. Who were his parents? <laughs> Nobody knows. But he's a very upright gentleman. They're very nice. 
<laughs> I sometimes look at these dahlias and think if I was a dahlia breeder, I would, you know, you would just weep for joy, wouldn't you, when one of your hundreds and hundreds of seedlings, which they have to grow to get a good one. Yeah. It comes out like this and then, you know, they have to grow them for a good two or three years to, to make sure that they're stable. Um, and then to find that you've got one as good as this, you must just be chuffed to bits, mustn't you, really? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So anyway, yes. Um, uh, now, uh, Halls of Heaven, Alan, if you need right. that one. Thank Heaven, you. That's where we get a lot of our dailies from. I'm allowed to say that, aren't I? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, brilliant. And that's where we get our cuttings from. And they are. And what's lovely about Halls of Heaven, Alan, if you've not, any cuttings from there is you can choose what week you want them delivered as well so that's, that's um, useful yeah very useful really useful so you make sure you're not on holiday you can make sure that you've got room in your greenhouse it's brilliant Do you know on that note i i got my newsletter from scamp daffodils and it's a similar thing where if you're going to be on holiday they will organise the delivery to make sure you're there to receive your precious narcissi, tulip bulbs, etc. Uh, so it's always worth looking for that. I mean, it's the summer, people go away. And it was yeah, awful exactly. if you miss yeah. your, your plant delivery. That's, that's customer service for you, isn't it? You don't, yeah. don't get enough of that. Right, now, um, so a, another brilliant... So this is sort of on a par, I think, with uh, Karma Chalk in terms of popularity and this is Hillcrest Royal yeah uh which is very pop very good uh, garden dahlia and again these sort of very very regal tones of a sort of uh, a royal purple and a, a cardinal red there in, in the background but that's another one a bit like Christopher Taylor that sort of sort of almost um makes your mind blow with just how those uh, those colors work together um, so that's a cracking one. I'm sure you've you've grown that one lots of times, Alan. Yeah, I have. And there's there's actually a whole stable of Hillcrest varieties, aren't there? I mean, they're not not all of them are everybody's cup of tea, but it, it's if you see Hillcrest, you can reckon that that they are a decent dahlia breeder. Yes, and, you, and I think it's the same with um, Jowie as well. Yeah, Particularly yeah. if you're a cut uh, flower person, I think all yeah. of the Jowie dahlias are pretty weatherproof and um of course i don't know if i don't know if you saw alan but there was pictures on instagram of uh jowie dahlias uh, after they had those terrible floods across um belgium and germany with all of their fields submerged in water which must make them cry but hopefully the <laughs> floods have subsided and they can um they can get on with their growing season now um and then the last two, which is more um, more of contrast, I guess, which and these two ended up next to each other by accident. This one is um, another water lily. This one is called Vivian Russell, Russell with one L. Um, and again, for people who don't like um, the very, very formal, uh, neat dahlias, this is really quite pleasing I think in amongst other flowers it's got sort of cosmosy kind of qualities the stems are quite thin and there are lots and lots of flowers on it and I it just happens to have uh, landed up on our allotment next to Doris Day which again is is a very petite uh, semi-cactus I think you would call this one rather than a full cactus which produces masses and masses of flowers and and so if you really wanted you know, colourful display in your border and you're not kind of going tonal, then these two 
you've got two different uh, forms and lots and lots of blooms. With stems, you can see that are easily good enough um, to pick a few uh, for indoors. But I, I really like, I'm really pleased with those. I think, you know, if I had borders, I would definitely put these in it. I love the way that um, Vivian Roussel <laughs> has a little twinkle in her eye with the lovely sort of limey lemon centre there. I think that's absolutely delightful. I like it because there's one called Siberia, which is not too dissimilar, and that has nothing at the centre. And I find I find it a tiny bit lacking, although I think it would work well if you were absolutely strict about a white um, yeah. border mm. of my garden, that would be a good choice. So my remaining dahlias are... Um... I can't wait for these because I saw the glimpse of them when you... <laughs> Uh, over and I've been waiting for them. <laughs> these are all singles. Yeah. Um, now, so I'm going to, so my long-term favourite, which again, we keep talking about, um, I keep saying to my partner, someone needs to write a book about colour, the words to describe colour for flowers, because I find that it's impossible to describe the colour of many flowers without using hopelessly long sort of <laughs> strings of words that don't really, you know, that, that don't really help. And I have bought a few books on colour, but they don't they don't help that much. But um, Magenta Star, probably all-time favourite single dahlia. This is a very, very stately plant already, probably five foot tall and plastered in flowers. It's an absolutely cracking dahlia. Alan probably knows this already, but it, it is renowned for not producing very big tubers. And, and they are piddly at the end of the season. You think, well, how can a plant that huge have only produced um, tiny little tubers like that? But you don't need to worry because they it comes back as an equally big plant the next year. Um, the the stems and the foliage are, you know, as near black as as you get in a dahlia. Um, very, very attractive. But of course, it is these uh, luminous sort of neon pink flowers that are the big attraction. I, I took a picture of this a few days ago with the sunlight um, shining through the back of it. And what's extraordinary is, is how saturated the colour still is, even with dazzling sunshine behind it, which, which just sort of shows how much pigment is in these petals to get this sort of depth of colour. Bees adore this. And um, they actually, I think they get so intoxicated that you actually occasionally find that they've gone to sleep in the middle of the flower, sort of clutching on for dear life, having a little snooze. Um, but if I could only grow one single dahlia, I think it would be a toss up between this one and probably the next one I'm going to show you. But is, is this one you've tried, Alan? I'm yeah, sure. it, it lives in the ground outside my potting shed. I've got two plants of it there and uh, it pops up every year. I don't do anything to it at all. I don't mulch it or anything. Um, yeah, and it pops up every year and it's a very good plant. I grew it once in tandem with another single dahlia, which is called Twining's Revel. And Twining's oh, yeah. Revel is a kind of apricot with a little bit of um, paler apricot streaking through it. And the two together look absolutely fantastic. It's not an original idea of mine. I saw it on um, 
I saw it on the National Daily Collection stand at the Chelsea Flower Show some eight or nine years ago, I think. And um, I pinched the idea from them. Grow, grown together, they look fantastic. Dan, can I check with you? I feel like if we ever mentioned Magenta Star, people put comments saying, it's really hard to get hold of. Where can I get hold of it? Where did you get hold of yours? Well, I know exactly where I got hold of mine because I, when I do the label, I always put the year and who it came from. So it was from Sarah Rabin in 2016. And I, I think that um, it's still in her catalogue. Um, but uh, if, if people do see it, they need to get in early because I, I, my understanding, I might be wrong, is that it, it isn't particularly... Um, easy to grow on a commercial basis probably because the tubers don't uh, multiply as quickly because i think when daily when when daily breeders are looking at what things that they're going to offer commercially they're looking at sort of tuber production and and how how quickly they bulk up and this one probably just doesn't oblige but uh, nevertheless once you've got it you can take cuttings and 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 do whatever else as alan said you can try um and, and better it. But I think, you know, whoever did create this one uh, found a cracker because the, the flowers are very consistently neat and the foliage yeah. is great. And, um, and the colours, you know, because it's very easy to get a murky pink dahlia. It's very yeah. hard to get this kind of um, almost artificial um, pink, very, very clear pink. So I'll, I'll pop her back. She's caused a bit of a sensation and I'm going to have to um, <laughs> pick this up from there. But um, so the, the next one I would, um, I wouldn't be without. And, and again, it's because of the, um, the strength of it as um, this one does produce a lot of very, very good tubers, and it does come back very, very well for tubers. This is Honka Fragile. A little bit variable um, in terms of, I've seen pictures of Honka Fragile that have been almost completely pure white, and I've seen ones that are very ruddy indeed. This one's a little bit in between. What you do get with Honka Fragile is you always get uh, this very, very fine uh, line of red around the edge of the petals. What tends to vary then is, is how much of a flush of pink you get on the face of the petal. Um, but this is bee friendly to the max, produces so many flowers and produces plants that look like they're on steroids. So we were almost, we were looking at it because we, we plonked a few of our spare ones just around the allotment on corners and things like that. But, you know, just a whole row of this um, for picking would be very decadent, but but lovely. And it goes very well. So if you are arranging a, a vase of flowers um, with with reds, so think something like Cosmos Rebenza or Velouette or something like that, uh, or roses or anything like that, it, it, it's a very good sort of blender because it has got both both colours in it, but absolutely cracking single dahlia. And you will, once you've got it, I don't think you would ever be without it again. So I'm going to take you to the other end of the spectrum now um, with um, Verone's Obsidian. Yeah. I think this is one of those dahlias that might have sort of got itself two names, which is a bit greedy, but something <laughs> Honker Black seems to also 
either be very similar or the same name for, for the you know a different name for the same thing. Um, so this is another dahlia of a very similar ilk, but you you can't see quite so uh, clearly how those petals uh, roll around. But they they do so um, in a very sort of um, I don't know what's the word what the word is sultry manner. Yeah. But again, another cracking dahlia. It's it's um, the best. I've ever seen this growing, I think was in June Blake's garden. And it was in a pot against a very pale wall. And the, because the problem with these very dark ones is that the flowers don't show up particularly well, especially from a, a distance. So if you can put it against um, something that's much lighter, so whether it's um, foliage or a painted wall or a, a fence or something like that you will get much more benefit I think from the flowers. Well I think the other thing you could do is you can surround those dark colours with silver foliage in the garden so if you've got something like Artemisias or something like that I mean it, it can lift them enormously. Yes and it needs that really because otherwise they just green green and black don't really provide that much of a contrast so if mm -hmm. you can do anything uh, to help it. Actually, this one does happen to be uh, right next to brown sugar as well in the on the allotment, and it it it, it looks quite nice with the orange for the dark centre as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, new, a new one next for for us, um, which I'm really really loving, um, and I think I probably just just displaced one of its petals, which is. Um, which is a shame. Let me see if I can. Oh, I think I might have lost it altogether. Uh, <laughs> never mind. I'm doing it a disservice, really. So um, we've had one called Mexican Star for um, a long time. So that's a, a very small, single uh, dahlia with a, a dark, plummy black uh, flower. And that is always the first dahlia to flower. So that's two years running. It's been the first dahlia to flower. And it will definitely be the last. So it produces flowers in in the most incredible quantity. However, I think um, I think Halls of Heaven must have had a go at, at that to see if they could better it, which I think possibly they have. So this one, yes, Hadrian's Midnight, it's called, and it has very pretty feathery foliage, Alan, which you would which you would appreciate. Um, very very dark foliage and um, and these lovely flowers which are much larger than Mexican star and they look like you know if you um, get uh, blackberry juice sort of on a white t-shirt it's kind of that kind of effect so there's definitely a lighter background behind this this redness um, which gives it a slightly stripy uh, appearance but Again, really lovely. It would be very good in the border, I think, um, particularly with um, dark foliage or silvery foliage. Um, but worth worth getting hold of that one. I really, I really like it. And the other thing which is different is Mexican star flowers tend to always point downwards, whereas this one is is much more outward facing. So I think it's a bit better. God, that's gorgeous. That and wasn't on my Flomo list, but I think it's it might be added. So that's Hadrian's Midnight. I think there are some other Hadrian's as well, but then they're all single. So I think it's a similar concept to the bishops, but um, that's from uh, Halls of Heaven, I think. And then um, 
I haven't got, um, I, I feel like I should have bought some more collarettes now, um, because Alan mentioned Chimborazo. Um, but we have got, we've got uh, one called Don Hill, which is quite nice, which is uh, all red. But this one I have found very pleasing um, this year. Again, I, it is the a fabulous dahlia for cutting. It has really, really long stems and lots and lots of flowers. So you don't feel bad about cutting a few off to bring home. Um, but this one is Edith Jones. It's like the legally blonde of dahlias. It's got all these pinks going on and all this sass. <laughs> yes, and I, I'm aware that I've sort of done my usual and have gone all sort of peaches and plums. Poor John is always kind of hauling me back from this. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes I just have to choose dahlias just because I think we should give them a go and, and see what they're like. But we did see this one at um, Doddington Place, I think, which is a very lovely um, garden just further up in, in Kent, which I should be better known because it's really, really uh, super. And they, they have a lot of dahlias in the garden there later, later on in the season. And we saw that one there and thought we should, we should probably give it a go. But again, for a border, if you've got a more cottagey uh, style garden, then this is an this is an absolute classic. And if, if you you know like just nice bunches of dahlias of all different colours mixed together, this would be a, a great pink one to go for. Again, you know, if colorettes have that that benefit of not being fully sing single and yet still being great for bees. And they, they do ask a little bit longer than the, the singles as well I find when you when you cut them um, singles don't last that long in a vase but you, you kind of know where you are with them because you can tell by how far in the um, the stamens have got whether they're worth picking or not and this one you can see is is sort of a third of the way there to, to going over but um, I quite like it what, do, what are your thoughts on Ooh. this one I love it I'm just thinking you know that Every time you bring forth a dahlia that I like, I think, oh, I must try that and see. <laughs> I have to say to everybody, just in case that, you know, people think they're going to get everything fabulous from seed, you don't. Because you may grow 100 seedlings and you may get one. You may get none, of course, that are worth keeping. There are some gardens, and I know uh, June Blake, uh, Jimmy Blake's sister, is, is one of them, where a lot of the, the late summer display is um, seedling dahlias. Um, and I think when they're grown en masse, um, it, it doesn't matter really whether they are the best dahlia that's ever been No, bred. you're quite right. I think, I think when you've got a lovely mixture of sort of reds, yellows, oranges, and some of them tend to revert to being very, very tall as well, don't they, when they're, they do, when they're yeah. seedlings. I think, I, I think again, it, it depends, because there are people who dislike dahlias, I think, because of their sort of stout formality and I think maybe seedling dahlias and I, I'm kind of like leading myself on to my last two dahlias which are the least spectacular <laughs> I, I, I but I did um I did bring them purely to show people that they're not all sort of big blousy brutes really the one um, thing about seedling dahlias the the true the truism is if you grow some and you give them away to people the ones you give away will be better than the ones you keep. This is what happens to me. I grew loads of Bishop's children and I really wanted one that was orangey. 
and my mum got like gorgeous orangey ones and mine are all red. <laughs> Just the way it goes. Yes, well, I did I did get sent some seeds and the notes with them came, if you get any good ones, I want them back. <laughs> uh, which which is fair enough. I mean, you can take cuttings. That's, that's how gardening works. Yeah, that's it? true. Yeah. So these last two, I'm going right back to where Alan uh, started with the, the dahlias he was proud of, are, um, we're back to species again. Um, and this is murky eye. Um, and this is really just for people who detest dahlias, just to show that they can be as, as pretty as a little wood anemone. Um, this is normal dahlia murkii, although now a bit later in the season, nowhere near as pink um, as she started off, and that she looks quite white there. But I can I can assure you, she's a sort of very very soft blush pink. And then this is a, a white form of uh, dahlia murkii. But I really just wanted to to bring them to show that you know, they can be terribly pretty and delicate and the foliage of this is much more fine um as well than um I look like I'm wearing earrings don't I what, what the <laughs> <nip wafting them? laughs> around the side of my face but um you were lucky to get these because actually um so we've got some very delightful foxes on our allotment which are a lot of fun actually their antics do keep us quite amused but not so much when they decide to roll in the dahlias and so yesterday when I went to pick these, the foxes had decided to have a party in in the bed where these were growing. And these are these were salvaged uh, for today. Um, and they, they actually look, they look all right, but the rest, I'm glad you don't have to think what the actual plants look like. But um, pretty and, and, that you know they can sort of be there in the background like a cosmos or, or like a gypsophia or something like that um and not not be sort of shouting look at me look at me all the time i did a little experiment with dahlia murkii and we saved some seed from some of our our darkest flowered plants because the coloring varies enormously from as you say there uh dan the palest palest pink to really quite a strong purplish pink um, and I, uh, there's a couple that I've kept in the garden. One has very, very dark stems and very dark stems to the leaves. And of course, the leaves on Dahlia murkii are very fern-like. They're very quite graceful things. Um, so I've kept that in the garden, hoping to, to do some things with that. And another one that amongst the seedlings came up with lemon foliage. And I thought, oh, there's something wrong with this. Um, and so I, I you know, potted it on and kept it going. And instead of making a very tall plant, it's made a very rounded plant. Lots of the liminess has, fa has faded in the foliage, but it's still a pale green with the palest, palest pink flower. So we'll see what that does as well. But it's interesting just to note the differences of what you get from one plant to another. So many differences. I mean, I think that the reason why there are so many dahlias is their general sort of propensity to vary naturally and, and through breeding. We've got um, three Dahlia Imperialis on the allotment that we've been given by people to, to see what they do. And they, they apparently, because we're nowhere near as advanced as you, Alan, in fact, probably will be lucky to have a flower by November at this rate. But um, we've got a double white Imperialis, which again, I've never seen it flower. So I only 
I only know that by what, what I was told when I was given it. Double white imperialis, a one that's called uh, cerulea, which is apparently a very dark pink. Um, and another one that I can't remember, which I think might be supposed to be a double pink. But, you know, they and these are all dahlia imperialis of different of different origins. It'd be interesting to see which which flowers first and how and if they do flower at all, because Dahlia imperialis here, I grew it in our Pelly house, planted in the ground in the middle of the Pelly house. The floors, the floor to ceiling is about 12 feet and it hit the ceiling and the stems bent over and then they opened in probably November, December through to March almost. And, you know, there's lovely nodding single bright pink, bright pink flowers. They were really quite spectacular. But I, like you, have got another one called Dahlia campanulata, which... <laughs> which is white with a, a dark um, maroony coloured centre. But if I do I ever see it flower? It didn't flower last year, but I mean, it'll have to be, I'll just have to wait and see if it does. Well, John used to grow it in a polytunnel in Cornwall and there it flowered regularly in November. And it, it is a thing of great beauty, I think. Well, the, the, the flowers are, because the plants all look a bit dahlia-like, don't they? But the, <laughs> yeah. um, the, the size of the, the flowers is quite something and they're, they're very beautiful. I mean, I've, I've, I've never seen a dahlia growing in the wild, but I would I would love to do that. Um, it'd be really fascinating because I'm sure you would see all sorts of variation um, if you went, you know, traipsing all around Mexico looking for them, which I know some people do. Um, the one that I don't know if you've got hold of yet, Alan, which I think has the best foliage of any dahlia is Tampolipana. And I think that, I mean, we have made dahlia Tampolipana flower in, in our greenhouse, but it's it's the usual, you know, nothing, it's a... a little mauve nothingness. Very pink thing. But the, the foliage is... Um, I'm going to have to describe it now. I've, I've brought it up, aren't I? Yeah. Uh, very, very dark, very, very dark green. Very, very divided, but not ferny. I'm trying to think what I would say it was like, but it's, it's sort of defying me. I will make sure that a photograph is, is sent so you can see what the foliage is like. So we, we have it in a pot and it grows really happily in a pot, actually. But I have seen it growing not in a pot and it is... In, um, the most incredible thing it gets huge it's the foliage is sort of almost an oily dark green and um, and the stems have a very interesting sort of um hairiness to them but it, it's incredible and i think you can get that from pan global plants i think is where you can get that one from but I've, i think steve edney at the salutation had it long before anyone else had it and his plant was enormous but it, it, it is a beautiful thing uh, for foliage flowers forget it take it or leave it yeah <laughs> oh so this has been uh, this has been glorious i feel like we've covered a, a whole daily spectrum anyone who sat down thinking it was just going to be peaches and plums and big flamboyant cacti and um water lily dahlias and things there has been Every corner of, of dahlia growing seems to have been covered, Dan. You've outdone yourself. Thank you. I, well, I, I, I wanted to pick ones that I thought people would actually, you know, there, there are plenty that are, that are amusing to grow for fun. Akita, I think, being one of them, which is a 
the most astonishing flower and the most useless plant anyone has ever. <laughs> it, it can't support itself. It, you know, it needs a cane on every single flower. And, you know, and that, so I didn't bring any of those because they're, they're point, they're for enthusiasts only and, and sort of daily geeks, but they're no good really for, for, the, for, for growing in the garden. So I tried to pick ones that I thought would be, um, that would be good for everyone to sort of get to know really. It's interesting, isn't it, with dahlias, how particularly with the world of Instagram, they seem, and I suppose the increase of cut flower sort of farms in the UK, they've developed this whole separate life away from the garden. What you know, for example, obviously Cafe Olay, where they just become these sort of superstar plants, and their whole stardom is based mainly on Instagram pictures and wedding bouquets. I know. Is it sure? I mean, that 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 particular one that you mentioned there is yes. I mean, I'm sure it's got its own Instagram account, hasn't it? I think- <laughs> It's um, and of course there are there are cafe au lait royales and cafe au lait roses and all sorts of cafe au lait spin-offs. And I think um, yes, there is a real cult of of cafe au lait, isn't there? Uh, but it, it's its colour, isn't it? That is it's just that sort of antique bridal mm. ivory, I suppose. But uh, I but you know dahlias haven't really been fashionable again for that long no. I mean there was there was a time when they were a complete no-no and it, it was only really um Christopher Lloyd advocating Bishop of Landaff and and things like that that really started the trend off again and people sort of looked at them again and thought oh they're okay actually and I, I'm pretty sure the same will happen for chrysanthemums before too long yeah um I've I've started a collection of chrysanthemums, which I mean, God help me, this is yet another <laughs> session. But I, I I got very excited because I um I started started hoarding chrysanthemums now, and I discovered that there is a chrysanthemum called Daniel Cooper. Nice. So I don't know who that was named after, but of course I had to buy all the stock that they had of that, and then I've given it to all my friends. So all my poor friends now have got this chrysanthemum they have to keep alive because it's <laughs> got the same name it's like it's like the curse that I give everybody because I'm going to go around and say oh how's your Janet Cooper chrysanthemum going <laughs> oh, I hope it's yeah. a really good doer otherwise you have really burdened all of your mates it's actually started coming out and it's a bit <laughs> I've got to love it haven't I now but um I think chrysanthemums will will have their moments yeah again. me too I think because our autumns are becoming much more benign than they used to be. And I mean, you know, the frost is holding off later and later in the year. And that's when, I mean, chrysanthemums are very length sensitive plants. So they want the nights to be longer than the days to initiate flowering. Although I have to say some of them don't seem to do that because I, I had a chrysanthemum, I actually bedded some of it out last week um, in a border in our tea garden, which is looking a little bit shucky. So I pulled out um, some arismums that have gone over, and I just put these chrysanthemums in, and they're just starting to flower. Um, so they're not all that all that day length sensitive, but most of them are. But I do think that they are a plant that is much neglected for later in the year, and we should do we should be. Well, I, I'm just hoping, Dan. I don't know what you think, but with the Chelsea Flower Show being as late as September the twenty something, um, we might be seeing some chrysanthemums at the Chelsea Flower Show, either used. On a, as you know, as shown by a nursery, or used in some of the show gardens, that'd be interesting. 
I'm quite excited about it. I mean, I'm sure everyone's excited about Chelsea in September, but because of the time of year, and I know things get paused and held back and all that sort of business, but it surely should show us a host of things that we haven't really seen before just because of the natural timing. So chrysanthemums, goodness knows what else, but it would be, I'm, that's the bit I'm most looking forward to is seeing how it is different because of the because of the time of year. It brings into contention, doesn't it, other plants that you're used to seeing at the Chelsea Plaza. For instance, roses. Now we've got repeat flowering roses. What are the best of the repeat flowering roses? I mean, there's a chance for somebody to market something. Yeah, because what you don't, what we don't really want to see is everything that's been preserved in aspect since. <laughs> no. May, because no, no, no. We know, what, we know what looks good in May, which is basically everything. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, September is a bit harder, isn't it? And I think, you know, yeah. it would be good for people to see what's possible. Now, um, I started off this podcast with a Flomo list, which is many, many lines in my booklet. And I actually feel like you didn't mention any of these things that I've been coveting on your Instagram page, Dan. So my Flomo list is literally, you know, twice as long now. Thank you very much. <laughs> if, per chance, you never listened to one of these podcasts, Flomo, by the way, is... Uh, kind of floral or plant-based fear of missing out which is essentially how I live my life so this is always a very easy feature for me um, and I will go first with a long list of things that I've been coveting and I did threaten you Dan that I might have to stop following you because you are no good for my bank balance it hasn't happened yet but <laughs> if you carry on at this rate you put up Dahlia Holly Hill Serenity oh lovely tell us about that one Oh, are you not bored of dahlias yet? Oh, I no. love you. Um, <laughs> I would call it a sort of peach chiffon sort of colour. Although, again, going back to this whole variability of dahlias, it started like that. It's becoming a little bit more yellow as, as the year goes on. But the, the flower, so it's a water lily, but the flowers, um, the, the petals come in quite a lot. So it, it looks a little bit more like a peony, I would say, than the, the water lily. The flowers are almost so perfect that they do look like they've been fashioned from silk. I, I, I've got a picture of, of it and you just think no plant can look that that perfect. So maybe, maybe not good for the people who like the more sort of casual uh frazzled look of uh, cafe au lait and things like that but i've got enough casual and frazzled going on up here i don't uh, need it in my uh in my dahlias <laughs> gorgeous just a uh, soft and gentle and romantic yes very, Those very words. Nice. um dahlia ken's rarity oh well that's just me all over isn't it i mean that's that's like an explosion in a highlighter pen factory <laughs> it's sort of fluorescent yellow in the middle and neon pink at the edges um i'm laughing because i'm just i'm looking at these as you as you say the names and i just think wow my god look at that it's like it's, it's like it's got light inside it. it and it really does look like that as well i think that you know the difficulty with pictures online is they never quite capture it as you and i i spend far too much time actually on on Instagram trying to make sure that the picture is as close to reality as as technology will allow but but actually that one does photograph pretty well and that is that is an accurate re reflection my picture on my grid but it's that's that's a, a super one and I've got another one Kilburn Glow which is the same but 
but much more red. I think you're going to like that one. Sorry, they're going to have to add that to your play mode now. Well, yes, and... Oh, my goodness, yes. Talking of dahlias, which are very Dan Cooper, Purple Explosion, and I, I literally, I love the description of this so much, I actually wrote it down on my Flomo list. The blooms are fabulously oversized and progressively more flamboyant as they age, rather like my good self. Also, <laughs> a very much an Alan Gray dahlia, because as you said, it's a chaparelli pink, a shrieking chaparelli pink, as Alan Gray would say in his signature phrase. Yeah, that is a dahlia that is um, nice, <laughs> nice to grow on the allotment, nice for Instagram. I wouldn't advocate growing it in your garden because it's just, a, it's a sort of lump. <laughs> of a, looks, of a it, the flowers look as if they belong on a hat at Ascot at Ladies' Day, don't they? Yeah, exactly. The flowers are astonishing, but it, it, you, you wouldn't want it cluttering up your beautiful composed border. <laughs> Reining myself in for my final one on the list is actually one I wrote down last year but after I bought my dahlias and it was Nicholas and I oh. just wished I'd grown Nicholas this year. Yes well you're welcome I mean Nicholas is a prolific uh, tuber increaser so um, you can have as many Nicholas as you like from me um, <laughs> with pleasure because um John tells me off because he goes, he goes, oh, not another Nicholas. What are we going to do with that one? And I, um, so if yes, if you're a happy recipient of a Nicholas for next year, you are you are welcome. But you know that is another, that is just a classy dahlia, but similar coloration to Holly Hill Serenity, yeah. which I think you had first. But it, it's it's a great dahlia that one. Yeah, and I I'm a sucker for those peachy plants I always have to be careful because my whole garden would end up peach if I if I didn't sort of intervene <laughs> so um, that is my long long list of Flomo what would you like to add Dan so uh, as as you've probably seen of late my garden is um getting to the point where I can't actually get into it anymore um which is normally normally that's more around September but it's sort of happening already I kind of have to have to thread the hose through the garden now because there's not really any paths left um so I have to be very very discerning so uh, uh mine is going to be a ginger because I've got lots of gingers here about 15 different ones some are flowered some actually Tara has her first flower this morning which um, is exciting but uh, there's one called Telstar 4 the Dicium Telstar 4 which I have tracked down um and I keep doing what uh, they tell you to do I keep putting it in my basket <laughs> and then waiting till the next morning to decide whether I'm going to purchase it or not but instead of doing that I just forget that it's in my basket so I keep doing this over and over and over again um but the reason I'm attracted to that one is because it is properly pink um and all my other gingers are either yellow some sort of shade of orange white um I think you would I have got one which is which is supposed to be red, uh, greeny eye, but it's, I would say it's very more of a dark orange. So I, I would really like, I would really like this one because it's it's pink and I, I will no doubt remember one morning that it's in my basket <laughs> the transaction. 
So yes, that that's and that and that that's it. I'm limiting myself to one because otherwise there will be trouble. I'm very impressed. I bought an abutilon yesterday that I have no room for, so I've got to stop. <laughs> what was it about the abutilon that meant you couldn't leave it on the plant stall? Oh, it's called something stupid like Paddy's nephew or something like that. It so, is. Is that it right, is. Alan? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So is it? Is have I bought a good? Have I made a good choice, Alan? Yeah, no, you have. It's it really is good. A good plant. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. There you go, Alan. Seal of approval. What more could you hope for? <laughs> a lot. Well, Mr. Gray, I'm assuming your Flomo list is now full of about 25 dahlias that Dan has just shown us. Yes, it is. But I have to say, first of all, that Hedicium Tolstar 4 looks in the pictures to be absolutely stunning. It is, as, as Dan says, pink, which is very unusual. I was planting Hedicium's in the garden a few days ago, and I'm, I'm, I haven't got as many as Dan has got, but I've got probably, I don't know, six, eight, ten varieties maybe. Um, and I rather like the look of that, so that could be a flomo for me, Hedicium Telstar 4. Um, but we are going to go back to dahlias, I'm afraid, and I'm going to go back to one of the more regular-shaped dahlias, a water lily called Christopher Taylor because I think that that was absolutely stunning. I loved it. Um, yeah, we're gonna, he's going to show us. coming back. Oh, there it is. I mean, that, the purity of colour in that is just something to be, oh, to die for. <laughs> you could eat it. It looks well, delicious. <laughs> yeah, it, it is lovely. So um, Christopher Taylor, I'm going to get that for next year. And I'm going to try some seed too of honker fragile because i've got that in the garden and i don't know why i've never thought of doing it but um you know everybody says that when you're growing dahlias you've got to keep you know deadhead them to keep the flowers coming but if you just leave one dead head to become a seed pod that's all you need on a plant you'll get lots and lots of seeds from that so just leave one um and it, it, it won't be at the expense of your flowers either but it's just a way to have have fun i think well, um, apart from needing a lie down in a darkened room, I'm just so thrilled because I was looking forward to this so much, Dan. I, I saw Alan the other day and I was like, oh, we're talking to Dan and he's going to bring loads of dahlias. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, I don't, know whether, I don't know whether you can look forward to it as much as I've been looking forward <laughs> to it. So um, this is always like, I mean, God, who doesn't like sitting, you know, talking about plants for as, exactly. as long? possible hey but um no it's 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 absolutely lovely it's been my pleasure and i hope i hope um well maybe when i've when i've got another uh, obsession you might invite me back again well i'm thinking chrysanthemums dan yeah. chrysanthemums <laughs> we want to see dan cooper the, the chrysanthemum we'll come back again perhaps with loads of chrysanthemums but in the meantime happy gardening have a good evening. <laughs> Lovely to see you there. All the best. Nice to see you. Bye-bye. Hey, Thordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.